Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 97, and I'm drinking Ray and Nephew White Overproof Rum. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I'm featuring Ray and Nephew Overproof on this episode because I've had requests for it from my listeners. I also came across the brand while doing research for episode 92 on Appleton Estate Signature Jamaican Rum, so if you've not heard that episode, go back and listen to it. It'll give you a little additional detail, perhaps. However, Ray and Nephew Overproof Rum is a great brand in and of itself with a story, and it's called for in a lot of tiki drinks and various cocktails, so it deserves its own episode. The bottle I have for the tasting is a standard 750 milliliter size. It is 63% alcohol by volume, making it 126 proof. And it retails at $26. The bottle itself is rather simple. I'd almost call it a generic spirits bottle, but it's actually a custom mold. Clear glass to show the clear spirit inside. It's cylindrical up to a rather girthy neck that's capped by a large, light or soft yellow colored plastic screw cap with a green printed band showing the brand name of Ray and Nephew. The front label is classic and it's the color palette of the Jamaican flag. It's gold foil outlined and the green bar logo of Ray and Nephew is at the top. The main body of the label is primarily yellow and features six gold medals across the top, showing a front and back of the medals. Center of the label is a trademark with a crocodile atop a circle, depicting a full-color rendition of a Romanesque or Greek-looking seated female in a white robe. She's wearing a Spartan-styled helmet, raising an orange orb above a three-masted sailing ship that's on the water. The woman is seated with a large shield that's blue and red in front of a male African lion. I'll admit, I looked online to see if I could find out what this trademark emblem represents or means, and I came up with nothing. Below this trademark emblem is scripted text for white and then overproof rum in a banner similar to the Ray and Nephew logo style. The words guaranteed full strength is noted below this. Then a footer on the front label has a black background with yellow text reversed out that reads, Blended and bottled by J. Ray and Nephew Limited, Distillers and Blenders, since 1825, Kingston, Jamaica. Proof and volume information round out the front label. The back label is the logo, product of Jamaica, and nothing more than government warnings, barcode, and other legal stuff. Okay, so let's open this up and give it a taste. One note, this is the second highest proof spirit I've tried on this podcast thus far. It's second only to Stro 160, I featured way back in episode 15. Some others have been close to this proof, with Ray and Nephew edging out Lucid Absinthe from episode 50 by just 1% ABV. Anyway, let's give it a go. And if you haven't noticed it in my voice, I'm battling a bit of seasonal allergies, so perhaps this hive-proof spirit will help clear me up a little bit as well. I hope it doesn't affect my sense of taste or smell too much. I've 
not noticed it while eating or drinking for the rest of the day, but just know I might not be as precise as normally. Okay, so the fresh bottle, let's open this screw cap. Oh, oh, it's interesting. It's got a little band that just like split in two and fell right off and didn't really give me a crack. It was sealed though. Oh, it's got a, a splash arrestor, a little plastic insert, so it can't come out too too quickly. And as with all spirits on this podcast, including this high-proof one, I'm going to taste it neat. For that purpose, I'm going to use a clean Glencairn glass. It's a whiskey-nosing glass, tulip-shaped, allows the aromas to gather at the top, lets you see the spirit, nose the spirit, and of course, taste it. So let's go for a pour. Probably don't need much. In the glass, of course, it's clear. You can see it's alcoholic. It coats the inside of the glass and it's got some legs that come down on the nose. <laughs> you can feel the heat. But it actually has a pleasant, well, let me see. It's clean and grassy smelling. Oh, it, it smells fresh. Quite nice. Some reviewers described it as being really funky or that you'd get like rotten bananas or overripe bananas, not rotten. Um, and some of these tropical fruit flavors on the nose. I don't really get that. I get a clean, vegetal, grassy, agricultural nose to it. It's got a rum flavor, though, on the, on the nose. All right, let's go ahead and for a taste. Small sip to start. That's quite nice. It burns a bit, but, you know, 63% ABV. It's going to have that ethanol punch, but there's flavor there. Going for another little taste. That is, that is really, really good. It's got some spice, some heat from the ethanol. I'm not sure if it's actually a spicy flavor or just the burn of the ethanol. It's very dry. You get an astringency to it. But I pick up some vanilla, some tropical flavors to it. It's got a nice rum flavor. I'm surprised. I expected this to mostly taste like burning, to be honest. I, I have never had it that I know of, but... Oh, there's some complexity. I could really see actually sipping on this. Let's try it one more time. Yeah, there is some of that banana, overripe banana flavor to it. Not, not a funk, but as you inhale and exhale after you've tasted it, and after having a couple tastes and waking up your palate to the proof, it's quite nice. I mean, it has sort of tingled my tongue a bit because it is very high proof, but it's got some real flavor. It's quite nice. And I know this would stand up well in a cocktail. Okay, I just paused for a moment to do something I don't normally do on this podcast, but I did add some water and poured a little more. So I kind of 
you know, eyeballed it. I didn't, I did not measure, but I eyeballed it to try and bring it to about a 40% ABV or more 80 proof level. That addition of water and lowering of the alcohol percentage in the spirit allows some of the other aromas to flavors to open up. But when doing this, I noticed that the kind of splash arrestor on the bottle, it's actually a measured pouring device a little bit more. So it's got I don't know, a plastic bead or something in it. It wasn't pouring, actually. It's a brand new bottle, but it wasn't pouring. I had to actually rotate it around to get it to pour. Anyway, let's try it with water. On the nose, it's a lot more open. There's more of this tropical, grassy, sugarcane note that you get on the nose. And on the palate. Mmm. The addition of water and lowering the proof really opens up the flavors. I do actually taste some spiciness to it that I know is not really the ethanol burn. There's a little hint of, you know, some black pepper in the background there. But it is softer, obviously, um, more rounded, but I get more of that rum funk coming through the molasses base, those tropical fruit notes, the grassiness flavor of a cane spirit. It's quite good. It's probably easier on the palate, slightly diluted. Okay, let's talk history. J. Ray and Nephew Limited is the oldest company in Jamaica, yet for such an old brand, history and detail on the brand is a bit thin. That said, here's the story. In 1825, John Ray, who was a Scotsman who immigrated to Kingston, Jamaica in the early 1800s and whose previous profession was as a wheelwright, opened the Shakespeare Tavern in Kingston. Kingston at the time was home to one of the most fashionable theaters in the New World, the Theatre Royal, which played host to the English touring companies who would stop in Jamaica before going north to Boston and New York. Jamaica was a British colony from 1707 to 1962 when the island gained independence, but the British seized the island from the Spanish in 1655. And it was beside the Theatre Royal that John Ray set up the Shakespeare Tavern. The tavern was located on the northern side of Parade, or the main square, which was a popular meeting place for young, middle-aged, and elderly alike. The Shakespeare Tavern, probably in part due to its location, became a hot spot quickly as Ray was famed for experimenting with blending of rums, liqueurs, and spirits, producing alcoholic mixes that quickly found favor with his patrons. And this custom or in-house blending was rather common at the time for a tavern owner to do. They would get spirits from different suppliers and blend them to perhaps extend them, but also to create products that were perhaps more consistent and also something unique to their establishment that patrons would come back for. In 1860, John Ray brought in his nephew, Charles James Ward, who was only 22 at the time, to handle the business operations for the tavern. Two years later, in 1862, John Ray made Charles Ward his partner by forming the very descriptive J. Ward and Nephew Company. John Ray retired from the business in 1862 and died shortly thereafter, within only a few years. I found conflicting dates, either 1867 or 1870, 
But in any case, the business was left solely to Charles Ward, the nephew. Ward expanded the business, becoming a liquor dealer having leaned into the blending business, becoming Jamaica's largest exporting commercial enterprise for a time. The blending business was bolstered in 1862 when John Ray, just prior to retirement, entered their 10, 15, and 25-year-old rums to competition at the International Exposition held in London and won three gold medals. The gold medal is represented on the bottle label to the left. Charles Ward would continue to enter their rums into international competitions and win awards in the 1800s. From Paris, Amsterdam, New Orleans, and at home in Jamaica in 1891. This gold medal has the top position on the front label. Ward continued expanding the business, producing more than just rum. In 1901, he acquired the Money Musk estate. Charles Ward died in 1913 and left the business to be administered by trustees. Three years later, in 1916, the trustees found it best to sell the company to the Lindo Brothers and Company, who purchased J. Ward and Nephew from the trustees. In the same year, they purchased the Appleton Estate. And then in 1917, all distillery operations for J. Ray and Nephew were moved to the Appleton Estate. Ownership of the company changed hands several more times until 2012 when Grupo Campari purchased J. Ray and Nephew. And while I can't confirm this entirely, I did read a reference that this bottling of the white overproof was first introduced in the 1940s. This may align with the fact that Ray and Nephew's 17-year-old rum was discontinued in the late 1940s. This 17-year-old was made famous by being included in the original Mai Tai recipe published by Trader Vic's in 1944. So, the overproof in this format may have come out around the time the 17-year-old was discontinued in the 1940s. Another tidbit of history on Ray and Nephew overproof is that in 1997, Joy Spence was appointed Master Blender, making her the first female Master Blender in the industry. She's still in charge as of this recording, and while Ray and Nephew Overproof is a blend of different distillates, it's not aged, and so there's less of a blender's influence on it. Also, this Overproof rum accounts for a huge percentage of rum sales in Jamaica. I can't find specific stats, but some people claim it's 90% of the rum sold in Jamaica. That maybe feels a bit aggressive to me, but it is very popular. It's described as a national treasure in some reports. And Jamaicans are also said to use it to treat a cold. They'll pour a little on their hands, then rub it on their face and head to help with a cold. The Ray and Nephew Overproof is also used for celebrations and everyday drinking as well. So that's the history as I could find it. Now let's talk about how it's made. Ray and Nephew White Overproof Rum is sugarcane based. Specifically, it's made from molasses that's distilled at the distillery located at the Appleton Estate. Fermentation takes about 30 hours, so it's pretty quick. It's a blend of pot still and column still distillates. The column stills likely don't produce a totally neutral spirit. I'd hazard a guess that they're bringing it off the still below 80% ABV, but that's just a guess. A fair amount of the flavor probably does come from the pot still distillate. As far as the blend percentage, no idea to be honest, but given the price and proof, I suspect most of it 
comes from the columns, just for efficiency, if nothing else. And while this is an unaged rum, so it's not going into a barrel, it will, of course, be filtered and brought to a consistent bottling proof of 63% ABV. Under Campari's ownership, distribution has expanded, and it's commonly found across the world. So now on to cocktails and consumption. Ray and Nephew and Ting, which is grapefruit soda, is very common. Simply referred to as a Ray and Ting or a Stingray, because it's got some sting to it. Sting and Ting. Stingray. Jamaicans also tend to sip it straight, and several reviewers I watched while doing research for this episode suggest if you treat this overproof rum like you would a similar proof whiskey, you can enjoy a similar flavor experience. And I'll admit, adding a little water to it changed the flavor, opened it up, as some people will say. And yeah, I could absolutely sip this probably diluted with some water. Makes it a little more enjoyable. 63% is stout to be sipping straight. Ray and Nephew Overproof is called for in a lot of tiki cocktails. It's been around for a long time, and if you want something below a 151, Ray and Nephew Overproof is often specified. It's synonymous, actually, with Jamaican Overproof Rum. So in summary, what do I think of Ray and Nephew White Overproof Rum? It's got a lot more flavor than I expected. I expected just a lot of heat and maybe harshness just because of the proof, but it actually is quite enjoyable to sip on. There's quite a bit of flavor in it. It does burn. It's high proof. It's intended to be overproof. So the dilution with a little water helps if you just want to enjoy the spirit on its own, essentially. But really, it's made from mixing with cocktails. That's how Americans use it, at least. And the proof and the flavor will really stand up in a cocktail. It's not going to be entirely overpowered. This is not like vodka that essentially just adds alcohol to whatever else you're drinking and and doesn't present itself in the flavor profile, you're definitely going to taste this rum in whatever you're mixing. And the flavor is quite nice. I need to get some grapefruit soda. Ting is not widely available here where I'm at, but I can get probably a Fresca or a Squirt, which is other brands of grapefruit soda. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcast platform. I'm on social media. Look for me primarily on Instagram. And as this was a request from a listener, if there's a spirit you'd like to know more about, please do reach out and get in touch. Contact information is in show notes. And as always, thank you for listening.